I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the Webby Awards, I'm David Michelle Davies. This is the Webby Podcast. Don't fear tackling real shit. (laughs) Love and protect each other. That's a good one. I am because we are. The sky's not the limit. Hey there, and welcome back to the Webby Podcast. Astrology is an age-old practice. The basic concept of studying and charting celestial bodies and their impact on people and their relationships isn't new, but I would argue that over the past 10 to 15 years, the internet has popularized it as an art form, with many more people taking an interest and engaging with it than ever before. Today's guest, Channing Nicholas, is one of the most prominent astrologers, a Webby Award winner and best-selling author. She's also the founder of the Channing app, which helps people use astrology for radical self-acceptance. There, in addition to guiding people on their journeys, she's also building an equitable tech company. Channing and I talked a lot about astrology's resurgence through social media, launching her astrology newsletter and website in the early aughts, how she incorporates social justice in her practice, and we even get into my birth chart. But first, we dive into her journey to become the internet's best astrologer. Okay, so I got my start in astrology because I had a reading when I was 12 years old. The reading was for me and my whole family, which at that point was a new, like my dad's third marriage. And it was actually my stepmom's mom that had gotten us the reading. So it was kind of like a family therapy session almost. And it really helped me to understand how we were all different and unique. And as somebody Mm. who's been in a lot of different family formations as a child, it's, you're always trying to figure out where you fit in and who you are and how everybody functions. And so it was something that, you know, came into my life at a time where at 12, you're moving into a space of trying to define yourself. It's like the very beginnings of trying to understand who you are and how you're different than your family. And so it was one of those moments that was really transformative for me because I could hear everything the astrologer was saying. You know, sometimes astrologers talk at people and it's just like, wah, 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 wah. (laughs) Nobody's like, it's just so hard. It's so jargony and it's so challenging. But it really helped to ground me in a situation that was very turbulent and really challenging at that moment. And that astrologer Mm. had written a book and my dad got me that book. And that was my first beginnings of learning astrology. Interesting. So you had like a pre, you had a predisposition to uh, generally probably also being interested just like in, you know, psychology or emotional intelligence or like why people relationships or, you know, just those kind of human, human relationship, relational questions, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm very much a Gen X kid and I, I grew mm. up without a lot of supervision and I also grew up inside of a tremendous amount of addiction. And so I didn't have any adults around me really that were interested in introspection. And I felt like I was always yearning for someone to tell me how to live my life and to give me an example of how to be an adult. And so I think I really gravitated towards anyone that had some of that, that had some Mm. self-knowledge and was inquiring into the human condition because everybody around me, I grew up in a culture of escapism. So I was looking for the opposite of that. I was looking for something Mm. that would help me introspect or be more Mindful. Yeah. And so is it just like you got that book and then did you just do like the canon of, is it just like that book led into every other one? Yeah. Like where you're like this A16 and you'd read like every astrology book that was at any library or bookstore around you kind of thing? I mean, I didn't, 
I don't think I went down. I, I just, I don't know. It was like, I just always had it. I had that book and my stepmom's mom had a library of astrology books. So I did have access to all of that. And then when I was, I think 20, she also took me to my first astrology class. And then, so I had a teacher and I had a class and there was a curriculum and I was, you know, the only person in the class that understood what the teacher was talking about. And it was just the only thing, it was really the only thing that I was actually naturally talented at, I would say. So you're like taking astrology classes like pretty early. I mean, so this is like a pretty, you're, you're moving in this direction pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't think of it as a profession. Yeah. It was just something that I, I knew how to do and it all made Hmm. sense to me and everything I learned was like it, oh, it added another piece to the whole like mosaic. And so it always like spurred my brain on. Can you place, place us in sort of like internet time around these years? Is this like... Is this like the beginning of Yahoo or like what's going on in the world of the internet and astrology when you're sort of, if anything, when you're sort of going through these years? Yeah, I'm solid Gen X. So I'm in my mid forties. At the time where I was learning or in a class, an astrological class, we would, nobody, like we would have to send away birth times because I didn't calculate birth times on my own. Calculating birth charts is a whole other thing. Uh, I think I probably would right. get most of them wrong. But so we would we would send away to this like company who obviously had a program, but we I remember sending all these birth dates and paying them per chart, and the, and they would send it back in two weeks. It would take me two weeks to get a chart, and obviously there was an internet then, but it wasn't like everybody could just have like a computer program that you could pull up charts or like, like it wasn't just free on the internet. Like it now is on my website, you know, like I didn't have that. Yeah. I mean, in the early days it was like, there was one of those things that people were actually like really trying to charge serious money for it. And I'm, I'm sure there's still a lot of, a lot of that out yeah. there, but like, did you do a lot of, I don't know if traditional astrology is really the right way to say it, not the traditional of hundreds of years ago, but the pre-internet yeah. sort of like, you know, meet, meet people in their living rooms or that, you know, like in, yeah. in person, I guess was the easiest way to say it. Yeah, I did. I did a lot of that. I was also in my twenties, I felt underprepared to deal with the emotional labor that readings entail. They're, they're quite arduous on the system. And so if you're doing them for a living, it's uh, something that requires a really sturdy nervous system and emotional boundaries and uh, like really great time management skills. Mm. And so I would do readings, but I couldn't, I didn't feel like I had the wherewithal to do it full time. Interesting. I mean, it's probably a good place to stop for a second. And just for people who aren't super familiar with like you know, probably most people are familiar with like reading their horoscope and and that thing, that kind of thing. But like, maybe a lot of people aren't really familiar, like what goes into eventually that information, like creating that information. Um, Can you share a little bit about just about the, you know, like a little bit about a birth chart and and what that is and and sort of like, what is the discipline and practice of being an astrologer? Yeah. So, you know, hopefully the person has a really sound time of birth and, you take that time of birth and place and year and date and you pull up a chart, which is a snapshot of the sky at the exact time and location of that person's birth. And that is a really specific setup. And every single thing in the chart means something. How fast the planets were moving, how far apart they were from each other, how far apart they were from the sun, how they're impacting each other, where in your life they're impacting. So it's like, you're looking at the person's entire life and the people in their life. And then you also look at timing, like what's happening for them now, what's happening for them in the future, what was happening for them in the maybe recent past or some like, you know, important ages along the way. Depends on how you shape your readings. Like a lot of times I would do like a birth chart. The first time we meet, I would just talk about your chart. And then the second time we meet, I talk about the timing. Sometimes I mix it up, depends on who it is or what, what the reading's for. But you're 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 tracking all that data, and then you ha- then you meet the person, and the person is not data, right? The person is a full human being, and they have lived out this chart in the way that they've chosen to. That's the free will, okay. uh, I think, of the right. of the situation. And so then I have to be like, okay, this is the data that you're 
this is the map that you're born under and this is how you've lived it out. So then I have to be the go-between in between that information and try to see and make meaning of that. And some people are like game. They're down for it. They're able to take the information and be like, oh yeah, at age 17, I had this like epiphany and then that started me on this track and you can see how it unfolds. And other people have a harder time making those connections. And so in the situation where people don't do that part of the work in the reading, it becomes this whole like situation where you're trying to find a way to have the information that you have be meaningful and helpful and give the person what they came for. And that's really what the work is, right? Like you're like, okay, I have this info. You have the life. We have to sync up. And sometimes that sync is immediate and sometimes it takes the entire hour to get there. And at the final moment, the penny drops and they're like, oh, that's what you mean. And you're like, yes, I've literally been saying the color blue for 55 minutes. And you finally are like, oh, I thought you meant aqua. Yeah, yeah, it's blue. And you're like, okay, great. <laughs> so it's that that's a part of the work. And then a lot of times people come for a reading because they're in crisis or because they're stuck because they're in a challenging situation. And so as a younger person, I think I took a lot of that on and wasn't able to leave it when the reading ended. Now I can do that. But I think as a 22-year-old, I was like very impacted by everything. I mean, it must, it must, it almost feels like maybe like being a, a doctor or like, you know, at some other profession where you are in like all these crisis, you kind of interact people in their crisis moment to some extent that you're just doing that every single day as opposed yeah. to like they do it one time, hopefully it goes well for them, but. Well, it's therapeutic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're, you're handling people's psyches and hopes and dreams and emotions right. and fears. A lot of people come with a lot, a lot. of fear and a lot of worry yeah. and they're looking to you for answers and, you know it's a dance between you and your life and the astrology can be an intermediary for that. You have a book um, and in it you describe, I think you describe astrology as a tool for radical self-discovery and reflection. It feels like a good time to bring this up. Self-acceptance, sorry. What is, tell me about what that, like that more specifically means to you and, and how you see astrology in that way. I've always found in readings and with myself that I'm never going to tell anyone anything they don't already know about themselves but because I'm a stranger and I don't know anything about you and I confirm something, a talent, an inkling, a dream of yours that you have yet to be able to take seriously, something happens that's quite mystical in that moment. It's, it's quite transformative, I found. And I would call it radical self-acceptance, like it, totally accepting the talents we have, the dreams we have, the yearnings we have as legitimate is a portal for transformation. I think like it's, it's one of the more important things we can do to each other. Astrology is a mirror as an astrologer. I'm an intermediary for that mirror. And so in the sessions, mostly I am validating what's happening internally for someone from the outside without any, without them telling me so. And so that reflection is happening between you and the cosmos, the universe. I don't know, like what, why, I don't know how, you know, we, none of us know exactly why it all works, but it is a great mirror for us. And I think until we have a witnessing of ourselves, it's really hard to know ourselves. And it's really hard to accept and love and cherish and honor and like just go forth and live out our potential. Yeah. And as somebody who grew up with a lot of addiction, people are really lost in their own selves and in their own stuff. And so I didn't have a lot of reflection. I didn't have people saying, oh, you're good at this or, oh yeah, this is, this is what you, you did, or this is who you, you know, like reflecting my life to me. And so when I met astrology, it did that. And it was the first real experience I had of that. What you were describing feels like very personal and interpersonal. So how did you start thinking about that? You know, at the end of the day, the internet is, I know it's like connects everything, but it's also somewhat of a 
place where we connect when we're disconnected. You describe something that was like a journey with somebody as you're doing a reading, essentially, right? That you're you're with them and learning from them. And so, how do you start doing that online when you're not with them? Well, I just started by writing horoscopes because I felt the need to write, and astrology was the thing that I knew about, and the world is something I care about. And so I started to write at that intersection of what was going on in the world, what was going on in the astrology, trying to hold people through it or just make sense of it myself. And then I started writing horoscopes, which everybody just wants to always learn more about themselves and know. It's a gateway drug. Horoscopes are a gateway drug into the rest of astrology. And everything kind of was born from that place. But I think I really wanted to write the horoscopes to really speak to myself, which I think all writing is about. There's a searching for what is happening, how I'm making meaning out of this moment or what this moment means for me. And the writing is a translation of that or a way of making one's internal world more real, I think. At least that's what it is for me. So all of it was just about my own healing. Just because we covered birth charts and you're saying you start with the horoscopes, give, just give us a little background on like, how do you, what's the practice that goes into writing the horoscope? I assume you're looking at something similar to like the birth chart. You're looking at like, where are the, what's the sky today where I am or right. And then, and then how are you thinking about like, how does that yeah, the sky yes. is kind of translate down into some offering of, of ideas and wisdom, if that's the right way of thinking about it to, to people you're writing for. Yeah. You're kind of, you're looking at everybody's chart from the lens of their rising sign. So if you don't know your rising sign, you just read your sun sign, but really that's the the great mystery. Everyone thinks it's all about sun signs, but it's really about just looking at the whole chart from the viewpoint of the ascendant. And so you take out everybody's personal planets because you don't know them And you just look at where the planets are and what area of their life it's impacting the most. And then you talk about, in a broad and general way, how that might unfold for them and what might be useful to do, given that astrology. Um, And so when did you start doing that? I started writing in, I think, 2010. Okay. Because you launched the website something like 2011, I think, right? Yeah. I think I had like an email list before that and then a blog spot and then the website. And you know, you, you've like, but you've like amassed a bit of a, like an internet empire. You have like a, you have like the website, you have, you have like a Netflix show. Um, you have an app. Um, you did an amazing Webby winning thing with, I think it was with Spotify or did you just do it on spot with Spotify? It's like one of my favorite with things Spotify. that we'll talk about later. With Spotify, um, yeah. You really understand the way astrology and the internet comes together. You know, and I would say probably really understand the internet in that way because a lot of people would love, they're probably good astrologers and would love to have been able to figure out what you figured out, but have not been able to connect with people in the same way you have. Mm. Is that what it feels like for you? You know, I don't think about it as everything I've done has always just been really intuitive and very, maybe even compulsive. Like I, I just get swept away by a creative impulse and then I just go and do it. And I have spent a lot of years, you know, listening to what people are going through and trying to keep my kind of finger on the pulse of where folks are at. I hope that the work can help to hold people through whatever it is we're going through. We live in a very tumultuous world at a very precarious time with so much going on on every level and we're all informed about it. So all of us are incredibly overwhelmed. And I think we really need places and spaces where we feel held and where there's not more noise being added to our experience, Mm. but more space being given to us to help us sort through what is happening and where we are and where our power is. You know, I would describe some of your work in not, you know, but like as very socially conscious. Um, I think that you and it seems like you and you know others other online creators out there but have in some way like really shaped a part of the internet in that way not just astrology but other forms of like reflection and and sort of advice and things are are given is that something you connect to i was lucky enough at a young age 
to have a lot of my thinking shaped by black feminists and feminists in general, but specifically black feminists and feminists of color, indigenous feminists. And I've always wanted to be able to take that wisdom and apply it to my life in the ways that I can in all possible ways. So in the ways in which we structure the, the app, the company, how we structure our you know policies and benefits, but also the 5% that we give back in cash grants to survivors of domestic violence and intimate partner violence. And so it's like, I was lucky enough to receive those teachings and to continually receive them. And I feel like it's my responsibility to then put those to use in the ways that I can. And that's really where the credit is due. You know, you touched there on, you, you, you know, I touched on a little bit too. You're also like running an internet company, right? I mean, which is like, yeah, which is like all the, all the trappings that lots of people who listen to this podcast will understand is like developing things and coding things yeah. and, you know, iterating on, you know, MVPs and, and the, whole, yeah. the whole thing. Right. Yeah. I don't even know how to do any of that. <laughs> well, how, how are you doing such a good job then? <laughs> well, I have an incredible, amazing wife who's also the uh, CEO of the company. Okay. So I'm the president. She's the CEO. I am really the creative director and she is, the director of the company at large. So she really is the one who has always dealt with the tech side of everything. Yeah. We, we joke because at the beginning, we, when we decided to launch an app or to create one really before, way before the launch, she, for some reason thought that she could just kind of like set it up and then leave me alone to do it. <laughs> and after the first meeting with the, you know, a, a company, a, a developer company, I, I was like, okay, well, I didn't understand anything that was said. And she, and she, it dawned on her that she was going to then have to become the CEO and make sure that, so now she runs a nonprofit free from, which works at the intersection of gender-based violence and, and economic justice. And she's also the CEO of Cheney Nicholas Incorporated. So she's literally my CEO, um, the boss of me. So, you know, partnership is everything, which, again, is a feminist model and, and paradigm that no individual does anything alone. And so I have this incredible business partner and partner in life that has helped me to live out my potential and my dreams and vice versa. So that's first and foremost. Well, tell me a little, what do you think is important? I mean, your app's like really, I mean, it's, it's I, I don't know how many downloads you have or something like that, but just, you know, for in the, in the world is, is wild, wildly, widely loved and discussed. What, what's important to you on an app or not on a app on your app? Like what, what, what's the thing that to you, you really care about? Well, we built the app with our own money. No VC money is or will ever be a part of our app or our company, which means right. we have sole possession of everything. We will never sell your data. We are not going to sell the company and therefore all of your private information is also sold. So that is like first and foremost for us. Secondly, it's really important for me in on the app to build a space again, where people feel like it's their space to have. It's not a social media app. It's not something that's going to be bringing extra noise into your life. It's got meditations and affirmations and rituals and readings and your chart and all the things. So it, hopefully it's a place of reflection and healing and transformation for you personally. And I also always hope that through that healing work that people feel the space and the ability to connect into their agency and understand in a really deep way where their power is and what they can do to affect change in their own life and in the world. The phone is very small. Those are like, those are, those are like very difficult things to, to get through in the tiny little things and the buzzing and the beeping and all that, right? Like, how do you just like, how do you, how do you think about that? It's just, it's, it's, and you do it. So I, it's like a question of like, how, how do you do it? Because everybody feels it, you know? Yeah. I think it's the fact that the ways in which we can 
create a space for healing and justice is integrated into the company itself and into the product. So we're not a wellness company that isn't practicing what we preach. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that we're, we're amazing. I'm just saying that I think we're doing the bare minimum that all companies should do. We have menstrual leave for people with uteruses. We have intimate partner violence leave. We have, you know, policies that really should be just the baseline. So we're trying, we don't want to create something that just on the outside is shiny and glittery. We're really trying to make change on a systemic level. So I'm interested in disrupting toxic work culture and the kinds of ideologies that say we should just go big, spend tons of money, hire all the people, and then see if it works. We come at everything from the other side. We built a business over a long period of time. We built a relationship with our audience. And because of that, we took that income, that money, and turned it into the next thing. And it has to be self-sustaining in order for us to hire people, in order for us to do more things with the app. Like, we're slow growth mentality because we actually want to be sustainable. We're really interested in having our team feel cared for, feel energized, feel relaxed, and challenged and excited about what they're doing. And we're learning how to do that. Yeah. You know, the company's a year and a bit old. And we've made mistakes along the way. And we're deeply committed to creating that because that's what we want for our life. We don't want to be burnt out. We don't want to be, you know, whatever, 50 and having and being unable to sleep yeah. or having like literally no adrenals left. Like we're really interested in quality of life. So that's at the core of the company. And it's at the core of everything we do. It's how we spend our money. It's how we create our business model. And then it's also the work itself that we're putting out. Yeah. I mean, it, it ladders back to what you told me at the very beginning, right? When you had the first reading and why it was interesting, why, why you were interested by it, why you're interested in the book. And I mean, it's all, it's all pretty connected at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. that, that initial intention sounds like it's something that's still keeping you, that you're still passionate about ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on with the internet and astrology now? Because I think it's just been, the internet's disrupted a lot of things, right? And yeah. a lot, in, in almost all cases, it's like a ton of really positive stuff and it's a bunch of really negative stuff, you know, and you could go through healthcare or you could go through like mm -hmm. human connection, broad topics, small topics, it's a big change. But, mm -hmm. you know, what I sort of like see from afar is that, you know, sort of astrology was a thing that some people had access to you know, mm -hmm. who knew maybe somebody who knew an astrologer kind of thing, or it was like something you read horoscopes in like the back of your city paper, or maybe you're like, you know, some kind of weirdo like me who got like dot matrix printouts or whatever. But it was, you know, it was popular, but it's certainly not as popular as today. What What has mm -hmm. the effect of the popularity been on, do you think, positive and negative on sort of overall the practice of astrology? Well, the internet has done with astrology what it does with everything that is catchy and can apply to a broad base of people. So it's done all the great things and it's done all of the not so great things at the same time and magnified all of that. So it's democratized the art itself. That is wonderful and amazing. And it's also detracted from like a teacher-student type of relationship or possibly a more rigorous study of the history and the craft and the meaning of it. But that is also more accessible because of the internet. Right. So, like in theory, if you wanted all that, that's just way easier to get it than it ever was before. Way easier. Right. Like I am so in awe, but also so like envious of the, of what is accessible now. Like if yeah. I had had that at 16 or 14 or 20, right. like, wow, I would be so, right. I would have been so much further ahead. You know, like I had to wait so long to get it. Yeah. And it's just like feminism and like, you know, all of the things like now it's just everywhere. Like now everybody knows who bell hooks is. That was not a thing when I was 20. Yeah. Um, and you had to really search for all of that 
you know, information or have a professor that could guide you through it. And now it's just like, you know, everything is everywhere. So it is fractured and it is uh, something that one has to be really curious about in order to gather in a way that feels cohesive and deep, but it's there Mm. if you want it. Yeah. Hey there, we're back as a special bonus. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. This episode, Chani has graciously offered to read our birth charts on air. So nice of her. We start off with mine and then segue into a reading with Jordana Jarrett, our editorial lead. Here we go. All right, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you know a lot about your chart. I, I will say one thing, just yeah, glancing yeah. at What do you think is interesting, yeah. Well, what's really interesting, obviously one of the main marks of your chart is about creativity and creative self-expression and possibly art and being part of creating something with creators or about creators Mm -hmm. because of your son in the fifth house of creative self-expression. So that's always going to be a place where you shine Mm -hmm. something about art and culture because it's in Taurus, it's very earthy and wants to do something on a practical level. Uh, But I would think that it needs to be in some way, shape or form creatively enriching for you or feeling like you are accessing your own potential, your own power through the process of creation and creativity Mm. and maybe, you know, talking about it or shining a light on it in some way. And does that resonate with you when I say that? Yeah, it does. I mean, I think that the thing that I like enjoy the most is, is sort of like being part of, a group of people who are sort of like jamming on finding a creative solution to something, whether yeah. and not so much like painting something, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, obviously at the Webby Awards we do a bunch of creative stuff and it's like, it's yeah. fun to work with people on those things at the end of the day. That's kind of yeah. the, that's kind of the whole thing really. Yeah. And you have Capricorn rising. So Capricorn rising wants, it's, you know, wants to be known for being able to, do the job, do it well, be responsible, be reliable, yeah, be that's, industrious, that's you know, get, get to the top of the mountain. That's definitely and, true. You know, yeah. Like I can, and you also have an earthy sun. So your Taurus sun is like, I will stabilize. I will be the hub. I will be here. I will plod along. I will right. get the job done. Like all of that earthy stuff is, can be rigid and a little dry, but it also is the they're the great manifestors, I think, yeah. in a lot of ways, because they, you know, it's the earth that brings it down into reality. So you, there's a, a realism here that's, it's not, not mystical or spiritual, but it is like, okay, well, what's the actual timeline and what are the actual resources we have and how can we actually get this done? Great. Let's plan it. Let's plot it through. Let's, let's plant it, get, get it in the earth. Let's get the crops going and actually be able to feed people real food, right. not just ideas. <laughs> That's one of the marks. Um, and then you've got this Leo moon, which is, again, creative, fiery, knows a little drama. So it enlivens the mm. earthier parts of your chart. Yeah. In whole sign houses, your moon is in the eighth house of collaborations. Okay. And you do have a night chart, which means that the moon What's that? is... Well, you were born after oh, the I sun see. went okay. down. Right. And so the moon actually becomes more prominent in your chart as a light leader. So it's either the sun or the moon. And because you're born at night, the moon is like special. 
And so the sun is always the sun, but you, in your chart, the moon is like, oh, well, this has an extra Interesting. kind of okay. like flair. So that Leo part of you, the part that's charming and entertaining and engaging and warm is something that will really help you in your life. Again, it's in a sign that's about creativity. So we again, we're talking about something that is possibly performative or helps you to get attention because of your connection to creativity or, or again, being able to have people feel entertained around you mm. or like, oh, I like that person. They, they've they got life. They've got light. Right. And I like how they make me feel when I'm around them. So yeah. that's always a quality that will help you. And because your moon's in the eighth house, the eighth house is a place of, um, it's a place where the ascendant can't see. And so there's something that is can feel unintegrated about your life. There can be something that feels like just out of bounds sometimes or out just out of view. Like um, sometimes when there's this placement with an important thing like a luminary, there's a way in which uh, other people can also influence your way through life. So mm. the eighth house is a place where you receive things from other people. And so collaborations can become really important in your life. So you might feel like, oh yeah, I want to do these things, but I need to find the right person or the right vehicle to join forces with in order to get this thing done. And that can be a kind of one of the themes that happens. Um, the eighth house is also a place of, of loss and grief. And so sometimes when people have this, have an important planet here, Yours is quite sparkly. Like there's something, again, really engaging and lively about your moon. And so you might be able to bring light to things that feel like a difficult situation for other people mm. or shed light on something that feels challenging. Um, sometimes with this setup, someone can be the kind of right relationship to be the vehicle for a big piece of their life. Mm. Um, it's also really good for producers and people that work with other people's talents and are able to kind of make something out of it. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, these are all these artists and this is what I can do with them, then there's a way in which your life purpose gets lived out through those kinds of partnerships or collaborations. Interesting. What about... Does that resonate? The When you were saying like the making people feel good part earlier. I mean, I hope that I do, you know, that's like, I don't know if I do that, but I like, it is definitely something like I try and do, mm -hmm. you know, and that feels, yeah. that feels, you know, it's not all the time, obviously, because like everybody's like in their own head too much. So it, um, that, that definitely resonates a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I think that, like I said earlier, I think on the working with lots of artists, I, you know, I think I don't, maybe it hasn't happened yet, but, um, the part about like working with like a lot of collaborators and a lot of people to bring something together is definitely something that's exciting. And like, I think even at the Webby Awards, what are we doing? We're like, rec we're recognizing other people, you know, and that's like exciting to us. And like, you know, recognizing your Spotify thing is like, that's, we're like thrilled to be able to do that. And it's like, that's, that's what, you know, a lot of us here, that's what really gets us excited. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And what does that do for you personally? Like, to be able to look at other people's talents, assets, resources, and like, is there a part of you that's always like, oh, I can take that or, or like merge that with this and do something with it? Like, are you a good kind of connector in that way? Uh, yes, yeah, so I guess in some things, maybe. I think the thing that it does is it's like, it's um, when I interview people for jobs, I, I kind of want to hire everybody. <laughs> I do. I like, because I almost always find something really cool and exciting about somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have a propensity to be like a, to be like a really easy groupie for like lots of people and lots of things. Cause I'm like excited for people to like be successful and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of where yeah. I think it, at least that's inside. Yeah. That's where it comes from. A little bit. Yeah. You're invested in other people yeah. and their talents and their, and so that's part of how you live out your life's purpose. What about the, um, what, is there a lot of water still? Do you see a lot of water in the time? What about that? Okay. So the, the, like, you have like a maximum good situation in your chart and you have a maximum challenging situation. I love challenging chart. instead of bad. Yeah. 
So you have the two planets, the two benefics, the two planets that do good right. in the sky together. Not only do you have them together, but you have them in the signs, in one of the signs that they do the best in. And it's this particular sign that they both do the best in. Basically, in in ancient astrology, if the ancients would have seen this chart, it's like, this is the best thing that anybody could be born under. Great. Jupiter and Venus together in Pisces. Okay. It is phenomenal. So it is a stroke of luck in the chart. It is a protective goodness. It is like a cloak uh, that shields you, that helps you out always. And it's in your third house of communications. Hmm. So I don't know if you've had any luck working in the field of communications. Well, hopefully. (laughs) But this is a place where you, you, you can always go. It's like a well that is unending that you can always go into. And one of the pieces of that is that you will always be able to have a conversation with someone kind of in the lobby or getting your coffee and it will lead you to something really lucky or extraordinary. So I would look at like your daily life and your, your like way of moving through the world. And you're just always in flow of like connecting to people at the right time in the right way. People really like you. These conversations that you have can be incredibly healing for other people There's a prosperity that comes through this part of your chart that is, again, like one of the best setups you could possibly have. So your voice, your thoughts, your ability to articulate yourself, but also this like engaged way of communicating the the ways in which you want to hear from other people, that brings you abundance and Mm. prosperity and goodness. And so if things aren't working in your life, I would say to like, go out, have a walk, like go talk to your neighbor. Like there's a way in which that flow will always help you to find your way and find the next kind of best thing. That's amazing. I I mean, I I don't know if people really like me or if I do the things you said that they do, but I can tell you that that is, that stuff is very meaningful to me. Do you know, like that, that is something that I'm like searching and is, is a very meaningful part of my like internal dialogue is what you're talking about. I, like yeah. what other people, you know, that's another, that's a whole other story, but okay. So you won a Webby award for cosmic playlists and for people who don't yeah. know what cosmic playlist was, was essentially you all use the concept of a Spotify playlist and you made playlists for all these different signs and you, you put, you, you change the playlist based with like music that was appropriate for the sign and you updated the horoscope for the person in the playlist description. Mm-hmm. It was sort of this like weird, cool, unique way of like Spotify pay- playlists that, you know, yeah. so I used to check it all the time. Jordana, who's our, our producer here and, and editor, edit, editor used to be a big mm-hmm. fan of it. Um, it eventually won a web award. I went back to it recently. You, you stopped doing it because I think it was something you were doing with Spotify. The number yeah. one song at the top. So I think what you probably all ended up doing is you took all the songs that were ever in my Taurus playlist and you put them all into one big playlist. Now, the number one song um, that is that was in the playlist is for me as Taurus was Prince's "I Want to Be Your Lover." It's <laughs> like my favorite. It's one of my top five favorite songs. Like my wife has listened to me play this song so many times before it was ever in this playlist. How? How? Why? <laughs> I love that for you, for your charts so much, because Venus, the lover, is like in such extraordinarily good, you know, condition in your chart. So I love that that's what it was. How do you end up Um, coming up to that for a Taurus? What's the, like, how do you Well, because Taurus is all about, it's ruled by Venus, Mm. which is the lover. So it's all about pleasure. It's all about, you know, naps and snacks and sex and the good things in life. Like, it's about going slow and really enjoying everything and, you know, all that good stuff. Chani also took the time to read the birth chart of our editorial lead, Jordana, who's been a fan of hers for years. So good to meet you. There's a, a real thoughtfulness and a discernment that comes with Virgo. I know we give Virgo a really hard time about being hypercritical. Mm-hmm. But the the main thing is that there is 
an ability to to know what what goes where and how everything fits. And that is how magic is created, right? Like mm-hmm. we are able to streamline everything and nature has systems and Virgo knows that. And so when you get the right systems in place for yourself in your eating, rich health, like daily life mm-hmm. relationships, that's when you can find a real hum and an ease mm. because you know that the system is intelligent enough to take care of itself, that the ritual will get you to the outcome that you need. And it can short circuit a lot of the worrying that Virgo does mm. because there's so much that goes on in the system in Virgo. There's always movement. And the movement is mental. Yes. You know, there's so much that mind is always chewing on things. And that's the nature of the mind. And so as a Virgo, it's like, okay, there's always this movement. There's always this action. There's always this thing taking place. So how can I work with it in a way that's not like driving me bananas, but actually Mm. (laughs) working for me? Yeah, working towards something that feels like, that is a rhythm and a system and I can count on it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I always joke, but like knitting is a very Virgoan thing to do. It's like little tiny movements over and over. And then eventually you build this beautiful thing. That's so funny you say that. I just started a tufting class, like recently tufted a rug. Oh my God. It unlocked something in my mind. Yes. It unlocked. And yes. like, I hit a peak. Yes. And I was like, actually, I think I can do this for a while. Yeah. If you can take that kind of paradigm and think of how you can metaphorically do that in other areas of your life, Mm. there's a soothing to the, to the rhythm and there has to be an activity. Like there's emotion because mutable Mm. is double bodied. So it's always moving everywhere. And so being able to put that to use put it somewhere. Mm. It really helps. It's like machines aren't good if they just sit there. They get rusty and it's it you need to actually let it move and do its thing but not kind of like backfire on you and right, like right, tear right. everything apart. <laughs> like I'm not perfect so I can't do it, you know. It's like, right, like give up. Whole stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So letting it letting it flow and letting it teach you how to do its thing. Mm. Have you had a lot of a hard time with uh, being really self-critical? Oh, I mean, yeah, I feel like that's a rhetorical question. (laughs) I thought I'd ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's working on it. She's working on it. Yeah, yeah. You're so sensitive. Such a a deep sensitivity to Virgo. And it's sometimes hard for other people to understand, but there's a a, a real deep desire to to be useful. Mm. And to be able to have skills and have them be appreciated in the world. Mm-hmm. And sure. when that doesn't happen, it's like the machine doing its thing or the like rug being woven. It feels all scrambled inside. And then it's really easy because Virgo is internal. So it's really easy to turn that in on the self. And so we're just always trying to find ways to like let it move. Yeah. yeah. Your son is in the first house in whole sign houses. And so it's really important that you find a place to shine in a Virgoan way, Mm. (laughs) which is to be known for your skill, to be known for your abilities to do the craft or to craft your work in a way that has integrity and has intelligence and is flawless in its own way. Right. And Virgo is, again, it's turned in, it's, it's internal. So it goes through the world being, having a hard time asking for help. <laughs> because you also give off the impression that you're okay and you're good on your own and you don't need us. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, it's something, it's something. <laughs> so to make yourself vulnerable enough to say, I need help is like, obviously, you know, humans have a hard time doing that. And 
capitalist white supremacy, blah, 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 makes it even harder. Right. But there is a natural need to be in relationship with the internal life. So it's an extra layer for Virgo. So, you know, the reason why the virgin is the archetype is has nothing to do with sexual chastity. It has to do with the archetype of the priestess being in relationship with self and spirit mm. so that you are needing to always be in relationship with the thing that is most meaningful to you. And that's not externalized necessarily, but there's always a, there's always a, a way in which you're oriented towards how the internal system is making sense of everything, how it's digesting everything, how it's organizing everything and making space for the thing that you, you know, most care about. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of work going on in the inside always. Yeah. And that can be hard for someone who also needs to shine for that. <laughs> so it's, it's uncomfortable to be in the spotlight in some ways. And right. yet, you're here to, to, to self-realize, mm. to be like, these are my skills. This is what I'm good at. Yeah. This is what I do. This is, this is my work, but not work like product, not, not always like what you put out, but this is how I work. These, these mm. are the systems that are the most intelligent. And I know that because I've done all of the digging and all of the parsing out and I have studied and studied and studied and I know this thing. Mm. And so it's, it's you cause it's, you've put yourself in it and that's what you want to be known for Yeah, is being the best at the thing you do and nothing else will make you happy. It's so true. Especially <laughs> career wise. <laughs> especially what? Career wise. And just like, yeah, every, yeah just, yeah even in my own space, yeah, yeah, kind of everything. But I feel it a lot when it comes to my work, like my job and career. Yeah, yeah. It's really important you be known for the, it's like, because Virgo is ruled by Mercury, you wanna be known for your intelligence and your ideas, but they also have to be practical and useful for other right. people. Right, yeah. They're grounded. Yeah. You're, you're a real grounding force wherever you go. Mm. And because you're always doing that internal work, people, well, you might not get recognized for all of it because it's not on the outside. Right. You're not flashy about it, but no one can, no one can say you didn't do it because it's all right. being done all the time. So there's that piece of it. Yeah. And being known for being hardworking is just... Not a bad thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad thing at all. Not like a bad thing. And for your and for your intelligence and for exactly. your and also your charm. You know, that Juno Sun thing gives you a great amount of charm. So there's a, a people like you, you know, yeah. like there's a coupling that does happen with you. Like people are like, oh, I want to be. Mm. It does happen. Yeah. yeah. And and so the planet that rules your ascendant, which is very important, is Mercury. Mercury is in your second house of money and how you make it. So we do know that the life is driven towards building your assets and your asset is your mind, your ability to communicate the way you articulate yourself. It's in Libra. It's going to do it in a way that has a little bit of sugar with the medicine, <laughs> a little honey on the tongue, a little, you know, there's some lovely ways in which you're able to get your message across. You're very diplomatic. You know how to play the game when you need to. You know how to work the room when you need to. Right. And you're a really good salesperson. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of that. But wow. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be literal. I feel it sometimes, yeah. especially you, being diplomatic. I'm able yes. to just, you know, soften yeah. it just a little bit. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You can introduce something in a way that people don't know you're introducing it. You can also get people to do things that you want them to do without asking them outright. <laughs> like it's so their true. idea. <laughs> this is so true. My goodness. <laughs> and you have such a humble Virgo sun, Virgo rising that no one would ever assume. <laughs> no one would assume. 
but you do want to win. There's there yes. is a desire to win and to win big. And that has to be funneled through your work. Mm. So again, it's there. There's like yeah. something yeah, yeah, that yeah. knows how to do. It's like you have a, what is it? What do they call it? Charm offensive or is that a mm. saying when your, your charm is your, you know, Oh, I, I get what you mean. To deflect the tension, but also to get what you want and to win. Mm. The other thing I'll say yeah. before we go. Yeah, yeah. I know you, you have time. <laughs> is that you have uh, you have moon in cancer, which is in its own sign. And it is so powerful for you. And you're born in the daytime. So your sun is your light leader. But listen, you have moon in the 11th house of good fortune and friendships. So... There is, for you as well, this is a place of strength. So if you need something, I want you to go to your community. If you need mm. something, I want you to go to your friends. If you need something, I want you to go to the network gathering, whatever, because that is where you'll find your answer. That is where you'll find the connection you need. And you're so giving, you give, you just, do you feed people? Do you have dinners, parties? Like, do you, are you actually literally nourishing I'm people? Like, I don't necessarily host a lot of dinners, but as I'm getting older and now that I live in the space that I do, I find myself like really feeding folks if they yeah. do come over. And I yeah. do like to cook, but it's more so like, okay, I'm feeding you like comfort. We're getting yeah. you cozy. Yes. yes. <laughs> You are like a giant, like mothering, parenting, nurturing, <laughs> nourishing energy to all your people. Yeah. And the one thing you need to just make sure is that it's not all just going out. Mm. Because you've got that Virgo cancer situation with both of your lights, very easily you can put yourself into the role of, well, what can I give you? How can I serve you? How can I nourish you? Oh, you poor little baby, you look hungry and, mm. you know, messy and let me like tidy you up and, you know, fluff you up and, and people will love that and they right. will be a bottomless pit for it. So as you move through your Saturn return, as you learn boundaries in a new way, that's also something for you to kind of like keep in mind why am I doing this? Is this something mm. that I want to do? Or is this something I think is expected of me? Or is this how I think I, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's great to, you have the, you know, the energy, mothering is such a gendered word, but to degender it, to nourishment is, and really though, to have that parental kind of energy is something we crave and yearn for because mm. it's just not present in the world. And so it's so powerful. And so I just want you to recognize when it's mm. operating and really honor it. Like, oh, I don't have to give this out. But mm. I also want to say, like, what a beautiful, what a beautiful energy that's here. And it's so devalued in patriarchy, obviously, right. that we devalue it in ourselves. So the emotional mm. labor that you could easily fall into doing is something I'd love you to like. Oh, I actually don't have to do that. Mm. And yeah. that mothering energy is still there. Like it's still beautiful. It's all the things, but I actually don't have to mm. overspend or give all the cookies away. I can. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. No, I really appreciate it. A huge thank you to Channing Nicholas for stopping by the Webby podcast and for reading our charts. As I said, many people on our team, namely Jordana and I, are big fans of her work. We can't wait to see what she and her team do in the future. To read your own birth chart, you can download the Channing app in the App Store or head to ChanningNicholas.com. You can find her on the internet by the same name. For more information about the Webby Awards, please visit us at WebbyAwards.com or find us on most social platforms at The Webby Awards. If you like our podcast, we'd be so grateful if you took a moment to give us a rating or review. It really helps other listeners find our show. You can reach me on social at DMDLikes. Our editor is Kate Mishkin. Our editorial lead is Jordana Jarrett. Our producer is Cecilia Betzel. Music is Poddington Bear. Claire Graves is our president. I'm your host, David. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Michelle Davies, and this is the Webby Podcast. <laughs> 